This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 476, brought to you by Scribd.com and iFanboy listeners just like you. So what if I threw a party and all my friends are there? Acquaintances, relatives, the girls who never care. You'll have a horse to rowdy hooligans in a big line at the door. Start by start with Sister Park, Chief Wells and Bobby Orr. I'd invite the Flanagan. Replace the window you smashed down. Oh, I'd apologize to Slugger. Fortnition on his couch. I'll see Mrs. McGollough and so many others soon. I'll say I'm sorry for what I did sleepwalking in her room. Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 476. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Welcome back. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I've returned from the land of video games. It's uh, yes. very similar to comic books. Yeah? Yeah? In, in very many ways, but also very Not different. as good. <laughs> not, not as not good. Not as good. There you oh, go. There you go. Whoa. Pander. Video games are great. <laughs> Pay my salary. Okay. Oh, I see. Oh, I see which side your bread is buttered on there, company man. We are iFanboy. We like comics. Every week we read our stack of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We will talk about the book. We will talk about the other books, issues, maybe. Like like family issues or oh, like sure. psychological stuff? You, you, can, you may not talk about them directly, but they're going to come up. Oh, sure. Uh, we're going to talk about some other stuff. We're going to read some listener mail. We're going to have a good time is what we're saying. Yeah. So your spoiler, spoiler warning is now. This is a review show. We're going to talk about what's in the books. There you go. Connor, you had the pick of the week. Thank God I've had the pick of the week. <laughs> For months? <laughs> For months. Okay, two in a row, but. <laughs> was it hard? Uh, no, no. I mean, no, right. it was good. Well, that's good. No, I, I lucky. Those were, those were weeks that it wasn't, wasn't so bad. This was an interesting week because I didn't have a lot of books. Uh, I, had, I didn't have any image books. I had only like two or three DC books. And I was going down a list of releases and I was getting worried. I was like, I'm already to Marvel. I've only got, I've only got three books on my list, and uh, then I had a ton of Marvel books. And the pick of the week ended up being Miss Marvel 13. And now, Josh, did you re- get a chance to read this? I did. I did. I took okay. your. I took your. You you told me to read it, so I did. Well, this was a good jumping on point for people who have not been reading Miss Marvel. Last issue, if you recall, we talked about was a one shot featuring Loki, and uh, there's been a couple of arcs before that. This is a this is a good place to start. It's uh, an- it's not another one shot. It's the start of a new arc that really is going to delve into Kamala's inhumanness. It seems like, and what I like about this book, this particular issue, is that it really showcases all of the things that this particular comic does really, really well. Uh, it starts off with uh, Kamala in training with the Inhumans. It, so it, it t- touches on her as an outsider. If you haven't been reading the book, she was a teenager when the Terrigen mist bomb blew up and now she's awakened to her inhuman power. She's a Pakistani girl living in Jersey City. And uh, so she's training the humans in the beginning and then she gets home to find that her family's got some friends coming over and they've got a boy, a son and it's a subtle matchmaking going on. And uh, so that I loved her reaction to the, to the boy who's not only smart and handsome, but is in the world of Warcraft and like she is. And so I loved that whole scene where she's, she gets all flustered with him and they go out looking for old Bollywood DVDs. And then, of course, chaos breaks out and there's a big old fight. And I thought it's it really does touch upon the cultural aspects, the sort of teen romance stuff, the big action, the, the Inhumans bits, and all with this. I thought the art in this was really, really fantastic from uh, old Runaways artist. I'm scrolling. Is that who it was? Yeah. Uh, Takeshi oh. Miyazawa. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. That Yeah, that makes sense. Really great facial expressions, body language. I really love the body language from the characters, especially in the scene where she meets the guy playing with her hair and 
really really some great bits in that and i thought this really was a great overview of this book which i think is really fantastic and i'm really glad it's doing so well considering the the characters involved in the the heroine that was very unusual for modern comics i liked it quite a bit josh what did you think or, this is your first or history? any comics any comics yeah <laughs> uh it was fine yeah it's not really your thing but i wanted to see no. what, you, what you thought of it no, um, I, you know, like I've heard, it's funny because my radar is pretty good at this point, and I know that you and Paul were talking about it for a really long time, and I was kind of like, you know, I'm sure it's good. I, I, I'm, I'm probably not going to really like it, but I was like, all right, now, you know, Paul's not here, so somebody's got to talk to you. I'm going to read it, um, and it was fine. It's just not my thing. Yeah, I did think it's pretty interesting culturally. Mm-hmm. They're not half-assing the fact that she is from, you know, a Pakistani family, uh, and and that's a huge part of this book, which makes me think um, that it's, it's kind of bold because I don't know that there'd be enough of an audience for that or we're finding out that there is an audience for that and they were being underserved, um, which uh, certainly opens up possibilities, which I find very interesting. Well, I think it's a combination of that, but also I think she's a really compelling character in this very similar sense of the Stephanie Brown Batgirl, sort of the plucky young superhero that there's very many of and it's sort of like the... And I had... I hate to dismiss her by being uh, comparative, but she's sort of like this female Spider-Man in a way. Mm-hmm. And sure. In, in that personality type and, and her situation. So it works in that sense, and that's a character that a lot of women have gravitated to because they don't have these kind of type of characters. She's a really interesting character and a well-rendered character. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, you know, it's got a... Uh, what's the word? I don't know. Like it, I feel like it had a bounciness to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she's uh, a really uh, fun uh, character. And I like the little Superman moment where she's decided she start wearing her, her costume under her clothes and she runs to the alley and mm-hmm. sort of the classic superhero pulling the shirt open to reveal the costume. Yeah. I, I like she's, – so she's really getting to the point of embracing her place in life. But I also really just was impressed with the, t- the art. I thought – Yes. The style of this book has always been a little off-center. And we've talked in the past about how it's been kind of almost illustrative more than comic book style, more like children's, children's book art. And that wasn't a derogatory way, but it was just a different style than most comic books. This was a, I, I, this, I, I was, I was pouring over every page more than I do normally because I just thought this was so well, well drawn. There's a little, there's a little issue with the bottom of Lockjaw's mouth. Just well, yeah. <laughs> but I was happy that uh, in this they decided to go with uh, sentient Lockjaw. Yes. Where basically he's like R two D two, like she talks to him. And it's like, oh, and she's like, yeah, you're right. Because <laughs> this, you can go any way you want to with that. So that, that's all. I'm always like, oh, Lockjaw, which is stupid. Well, Lockjaw's her uh, sidekick. Yeah, I get that. He's been I sent remember. to over, you know, watch her because she's a, you know, one of the new Inhumans. And the villain in this is also an Inhuman. And it, and there's a, you know, not so subtle parallel to mu- Muslims and Muslim extremists and, and, and humans and human yep. extremists. Which I thought was also interesting in, in a book. I caught like that. This. Are are you currently being uh, smashed in a trash can? Yeah. Okay, well, uh, that's fine. You mentioned R2-D2, and he hasn't gotten quickly enough to turn off uh, the... Oh, curse my metal body! So we're going to have to deal with that for a second. Uh, but it I wasn't fast enough! This book was wonderful. Any uh, chance I get, Connor. I get I, it. I'm going to. Um, what was the section they were in? <laughs> I threw you off completely. Completely, and I have no idea what I was going to say Ten anymore. years of the, at this, and then I got you. You did. Um, well, was we were talking about that. extremism. Yeah, that's fun. No, it's not. Um... um I just I think it's really interesting that like they you know they went they went sort of full out. There wasn't like hinting like it wasn't a it's not a secular Muslim family. Right. It's a you know like a full on like she's dealing with living in two worlds, you know, and and 
it's a book that I mean, sociologically, I found it super interesting because, like, you've got her brother who's in this, like, the full-on traditional dress, um, but he's he's just depicted as being any other guy, which, you know, he's you a little, He's a little more religious. I mean, it's, what's interesting about yes. her family is that, you know, she's first-generation first American from her immigrant parents, and they are much more religious than she is. She is not, not religious. She's, right. she's shown going to the mosque, but she's also, like many first-generation kids of immigrant parents, is not quite as religious as... Her, yeah. her parents are much more Americanized than her parents are, and yep. she's a very interesting character. The brother's an interesting character. The the, the parents are great characters as well. Um, you know, struggling just, with their religious their religious belief, but also you know wanting their daughter to be happy. So it's it's been it's an interesting no than, than you know Archie Bunker or whatever. No, it's you exactly know, the same. It's just a different religion we're yeah. seeing it through. And uh, and I I think that's good. I when this book came out, I really didn't think it'd make it past seven or eight issues, but here we are at issue thirteen, and it. It seems I, to have a very strong following. I don't know, you know, what that means. That doesn't really mean anything these days. But I like it quite a bit. This is, this I, is I guess, better issues. I think it's actually a really good example of uh, a book you can give to to young girls. Absolutely. I, which which I don't know that many of, but one that's also like it's, that's totally part of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like it exists in the Marvel world. It's replacing inhuman mutants with humans. So you know, it's just like all the other ones. You know, and so that's kind of like. It's not like here's your thing that's a little bit other. It's yeah, no, here's your thing for you that's part of it, which is good. She's very firmly part of it. I mean, she's had a great right. team up with Wolverine. Loki was in the last issue. Lockjaw is her companion. Uh, you know, Captain Marvel showed up at one point. I mean, it's it's very much part of that world, and, she, and it's just that she is in Jersey City. There aren't a lot of superheroes there, so and why would there be? She's the new queen of the 201. I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> come on. So, Miss Marvel 13 was my pick of the week uh, quite easily. There actually wasn't. Really? Yeah, there, were actually, there weren't anything else that even came close to threatening. I, I had a weird week in which I liked everything I read, but I didn't love anything except for Miss <laughs> Marvel. It's funny because I, I was just going, I was like, I don't know. And then I was like, I have no idea what my pick of the week would be. I have no idea. Like, there's, uh, there was, the same everything thing, like, was enjoyed really my books? solid. I enjoyed yeah. them all. I was like, well, that was good. But then I was about three quarters through my stack and I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, you, have, you know that feeling that only yeah. you, you and me and Josh and Paul know that you get through that halfway through that stack and you're just like, oh, shit. I don't have anything. <laughs> and, uh, so I was really worried. Then I read it to Marvel, and I was like, okay, I'm good. That's, that was fantastic. So, uh, But Astro City 21 was another book that was really good. It was the ending of that this arc that we've been really enjoying, looking at what happens when uh, superheroes without superpowers reach middle age and really can't do the job anymore. Yeah, and 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 it's, it's because it – I mean, I guess we're going to talk about the ending, but I think yeah, the interesting part about it was – you know, the, most of it seemed to be around the, this theme of, well, we can't stop, because mm-hmm. then what would we be? Um, and then, you know, they they had to stop. They had to change. Um, you because have no of, choice. Right, exactly, which, I mean, I, I hate to, how apt is that <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for comics? Like, you know, it's, it's interesting, though, because you took a look at this comic, which is actually a superhero comic that has been going on forever, and no, you don't have to stop, but, like, it, you know, it speaks to it speaks to comic readers, I think, to a certain extent. Um, but it also speaks to humans, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you can't do the things you used to do. You athletes can't perform a certain level anymore. Just as people, you know, I go to the gym almost every day with my friends who are, I'm and I'm actually the youngest person in that group, and and we're all constantly lamenting that we can't do the physical things we used to be able to do when we were sixteen or even twenty six. 
We it's have just, to stop this. It's, it's the way no of one life. Wants, no one wants to listen to us say this. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, no, I mean that's, it's becoming that's, apparent. that's why I think the book was this storyline is so compelling was that you don't uh-huh. ever see that in a superhero sense. I mean, I'm sure it's happened well, before, but I mean, yeah, not not normal, but obviously that's not what they're selling most of the time. I mean, that's what you get in like yeah. special. That's what you get in in the Dark Knight Returns. I mean, that's why that was revolutionary. He's like, ow, this hurts. Right, but you don't you um, don't get the the idea that you have to change your life and you can't do this forever. Mm-hmm. And Dark Knight Returns is a very specific story about the end of something. This is more like, hey, yeah. I'm slower than I used to be. I can still do this, but not quite as well. And I'm actually a, a danger to myself and my teammates by mm-hmm. being out there. And what does that mean for people who've been not doing nothing else since they were 18 years old or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. It was a good, really yeah, but good then story. when she rehabs uh, Cracker Jack, yeah. he's just going to go back out there. Maybe. We'll see. I mean, his I don't spine was he, severed in three places. I don't think he makes good decisions. No. He's an he's a <laughs> impulse control junkie. And she doesn't really make them either, to be quite honest. No, no that's so, true. And that's what made them interesting characters. And that was what was really interesting, I don't know if you read the little basic essay that he writes in the back, is that... Uh, that's his favorite character, the the girl. Yes, I did read that, uh, and he didn't really go into it very much, other than to you know, like, here's the story that I told about her, which uh, which I found interesting. Um, but also, you know, it's not also not it's not necessarily over. The story the story arc ends. Sure. And then uh, Samaritan's like, "This isn't cool," uh, but then he gets distracted and has to go save some people, and so because I the, wonder because the world moves on. Right. And I wonder if that's either a great way to end the story or something that he can, he can pick up on again later. <laughs> And that's kind of what. Well, what's yeah, I mean, realistically though, that's that's years away, right? Because of the way that this book is, and you know, it, it was a really long arc uh, for this book, um, and it was nice. I'm glad that we're going to get to move on to another thing. The next one probably won't be as great, and then the one after that will be great, and you know, but they're all they're all different things. And he's, it's such a good book. Actually, I know we just keep saying it's like that. a box of chocolates. <laughs> God. Yeah. There you go. I can't, I can't. I can't even speak to that. I. I don't even. Like I, I want to groan, but I just I. All right, so fine. this was the second to last issue of Miles Morales: The Ultimate. Spider-Man. I didn't know that. And uh, so the big, the big uh, final page. Also, same thing with Fantastic Four this month, this week. This next next month is the final issue of that, which means Battle Secret Battle Wars or whatever is happening yeah. after after that. So what's great is that if you don't pay any attention to what the cover is, that last page is still going to be a surprise for you. Right. Because I was like, oh, Doctor Doom. And then I looked at the cover. I was like, oh, it's right there. I didn't know. I didn't, know. I didn't <laughs> so, see. It seems like, it feels like they're not going to yep. have enough time to wrap up the story. I, I, yeah, I had that exact same feeling. Because there's a lot of things swirling around. They've got, they've got the, uh, is it Jessica Drew? Is she yes. the other Spider-Woman? She's like, the Peter got, Parker clone. Right. They've got her whole thing going on. We don't know who these two Spider-Villains are still. Right. The first six or eight pages in here. And then you've got all of, all of Peter, not Peter, sorry, Miles' um, relationship stuff, and he's still captured by Hydra. Uh, I mean, do you remember? Here's the thing. Do you remember that when 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 Peter Parker, Ultimate Peter Parker, died, it felt like well, that was sudden. Yes. Like everything, like there was all of these interesting things swirling around, and all these great stories, and then it was just over. You're right. It was it. like, oh no, he's dead. And I guess that makes sense because you wouldn't finish those stories, but also this is not real life, so. But also, um, I mean, yeah, and that's how life goes. But I didn't really think of a parallel of that here, and I wonder if that's intentional or not. But it just feels like there's a lot of story balls in the air that are not going to get wrapped up. <laughs> Keep it together. They're not going to get wrapped up in one issue, at least in any kind of satisfying way. Um, no. 
So. Which is disappointing because, and I'm I'm but, fairly certain Miles Morales will live on yes in the new I mean, Marvel universe. But that was my butt. Um, like in the you know the last page is all these questions. That was your butt. In the end, story balls. My butt. Can Spider Man survive both Doom and Hydra? Yeah, probably. Can uh, Genki <laughs> put his trust in Miles anymore? Yeah, uh, I don't really care. Uh, where do Katie and Miles go from here? Hopefully nowhere because she's evil. It's true. Uh, and, we, uh, we we in the in the Valentine's Day show we we talked a lot about red flags. And yeah. let me tell you, brother. That's a that's a big old red. Her hair is actually a red flag. Her parents being Hydra agents, or her dad at least kidnapping him and beating him, and she being along for the ride is a big red flag. She is Kate Bishop, though. She is, but think about the Thanksgivings going forward. Yeah, no, I, I that's yeah. It's I true. mean, well, one year it's gonna be fine because he's gonna be with his dad, but then the next year they gotta hmm. alternate to hers, and it's gonna be awkward because hey, remember the time you drugged and kidnapped me and then beat me? That was well, the thing time. is, though, if she's Jewish, then you're probably going to be with the one family every <laughs> single uh, Thanksgiving. Forever. And then, because the other family will always get Christmas, uh, I guess. I'm just, I'm just making that up. Right. Um, or if one is local and the other one is 3,000 miles away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like at this point um, that, that uh, it, in the Ultimate Universe, the, the names don't, they're just like, we need a name. Like, the, they, the other universe exists only to pick names from, so they don't have to make them up. We'll just call her Kate Bishop. Okay. Right. <laughs> it doesn't have to do Detective the other Maria one. Hill. It's yeah. kind of like the alternate you yeah. know, version of... It doesn't uh, matter, though, no. because it's over. So there's, no, there's not even any point in, in exploring that <laughs> case. Oh, I need boy. a name. I don't want to make one up. I don't know. Reed Richards, whatever. What, uh, what is Southern Cross number one? As I said, when I got through my books, I was like, this, I feel like I'm, I'm not getting everything out of the week that I, I should, and I'm trying to find something else. This is a new number one. From uh, Becky Cloonan uh, writing oh, Andy right. Belanger yes, 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 yes. on this. art, and it's a it's a new image series. Hey, check that out! <laughs> <laughs> what about? I, I don't know. believe it, Josh. Um, so uh, it it it's a a girl gets on a transport tanker ship kind of thing spaceship that goes to the moon of Titan, uh, and she's there investigating. Uh, or she's going to settle the affairs of her sister who was working there. They do six-month tours for, for basically an energy company uh, that is mining uh, the moon of Titan. But you find out that, that she's, she's investigating it as well. And she's like, okay, uh, in terms of tone, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the first Alien movie. Okay. Good, uh, where good, tone, good tone. They're on a big ship, but they're all kind of working class folk. Uh, and they're on their way to do a job. It's not adventure sci-fi. It's it's working class sci-fi, which I love. Right, that's a great um, movie. And at first, I was like, this feels really familiar. Like it feels like M- Image specifically has been doing books like this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I kept going, really liked it. I, I really found myself enjoying it. Um, you know, it's it's da- obviously there's a there's something going on here where they have a female protagonist and, and you know, it's written by a woman and, and they're, they're speaking to that audience and, and that need. Um, but, and it's done really well. I was like, okay, this is, this is what people are talking about when they're talking about doing books that are inclusive and, and, and I guess almost just more gender neutral, really. Right. But that, that, that's beside the point. Is there at any point a xenomorph? No, but there could be. But no, that's the other thing. Like, so far, there's only the slightest hint of, of Supernatural and I don't know if it's really that, or if it's just physics. Because there's an engine. Beyond the sci-fi setting, what is the genre? It looks like murder mystery, or is what it's going to be. Murder mystery in a big industrial space tanker. 
Um, and then she's going to get to the colony on on basically, you know, it's like people Isn't who like a locked room murder mystery. Like they're on this ship and they have to solve it before they get to their destination. No, I don't think so. I think that she's going to meet the cast on the journey. It takes a few days to get there, and then the ship only goes every six months. Okay, it's like no uh, one else write that book. I'm going to write that book. It's like people who work in, uh, you know, like like the farthest reaches of Alaska at an oil camp, or like in North Dakota or something. It's like that kind of thing. Um, so she's going there, and you know all the people who go there are kind of weird and kind of crusty, or or like I mean, basically it's uh, very similar to um, Whiteout, I suppose. Oh, I see. In that sort of sense, but it's in space. Um, I thought, uh, let's see, Lee Lowridge on colors, um, not Jordi Belair, I, because she can't do everything apparently. She only has so much, so many hours, Josh. Uh, Andy Belanger's art I liked a lot. There are a couple of places. It's super busy. Like there is stuff everywhere, which is really impressive. Couple of places. Um, he got creative with the storytelling and the direction, and not to the most efficient of of uh, you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. like the word balloons were going all over the place, and it was like that's really cool, but it didn't quite work in telling the story as clearly as possible. I can forgive that entirely, uh, but it's the thing I noticed. I don't know. It was it was kind of a surprise. Really interesting. I'm totally on board for the second one. I think you should check it out. Uh, you know, it, it's Becky Cloonan writing Listen, it. Listen, man. All right, fine. All right. I know. I dude. I I know. I know. <laughs> it's Becky Cloonan writing it. So that's a bit of a like. I like her art, but can she write a story? And she's writing a good story. So yeah, there's another one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like I feel like Newman and Seinfeld talking about the mail. Like it never stops. And sometimes it's holiday season and the Christmas catalogs come and I just need to not read more books. But I will. I tell you something. When the economy was different and you had Vertigo doing these kind of books, they could only put out so many. Right. They had to pay all the people up front. And there was like, okay, we, we can just move these out one at a time. Um, so, you know, maybe that's the real reason that I'm nostalgic for that era. Uh, <laughs> it's not quality. It's not that those books were necessarily better. Some were. Some were not. There's a lot of Good them. Good book. We need to have a talk with somebody about this. Southern Cross is the name of the ship, by the way. Okay. That makes I sense. thought it was going to be. I was like, I don't know what this is going to be Actually, you know, actually that's, I think that's why I didn't read it. It's because I thought right. it was going to be religious. Oh, I thought it was going to be about uh, the South. You know, crosses. Well, then that, South. yeah, but I would assume that. No, but with there. the, you know. And that's actually times. why I didn't look into it more. So <laughs> that's why. All right. Well, I'll look at it. It's good. I yeah, like a good are. murder mystery and sci-fi, so that's fine. Yeah, there's a gravity drive. That's a like, and like, and it's mysterious. That's the only sort of supernatural thing. Which, I, if it was not supernatural at all and only hard sci-fi, I'd be down with that. Well, even a hard sci-fi needs gravity drive stuff to make their. Yeah, no. But if it turns out just to be physics based, and not because there's like, uh, what's the what's the monster movie in space? Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, terrible. Horizon? Yeah, terrible movie. Whoop his ass, Larry. That's what the guy in the audience yelled when I saw it. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I. Uh... Or maybe there's a little kid in the in the in the under the floor powering the ship. Oh no, <laughs> Josh, tell people about Scribbed. Scribbed. <laughs> is it Scribbed? Scribbed. I believe it's I believe it's Scribbed. They just don't that's have any kids say it. I like to say Scribbed. Okay, that's fine. Scribbed is like Netflix for comics. Uh, Scribbed. Uh, the show today is brought to you by Scribbed.com. With a subscription, you will get access to more than. 10,000 comics from Marvel, IDW, Top Shelf, Valiant, Dynamite, Archie, and more. They're the only subscription service that gives you uh, that all that variety for one monthly price. On top of that, you will get the unlimited access to their huge library of ebooks and audiobooks, more than a million titles altogether, all available anywhere, anytime. Head over to scribd.com slash iFanboy, that's key, to get started with a free month. Get a whole month to, to play around in there. Even more importantly, Scrib makes sure that you can find your way to comics and books you're going to love. They've got hundreds of collections curated by their team of editors. Um, and as you, you read, they'll, they'll tell you they're, you're there. 
They'll tailor their recommendations for you based on the titles that you have loved or not. So you get to rate things. And I think everyone I think at the end know, of the day, everyone just wants to rate things. We just want to is this better than that? And by how much? But keep it to five. How many uh, stars? Go to script, go to how many stars, Josh? I give this reading I, three stars. Go to scribd scribd.com slash iFanboy right now. And they'll, they'll set you up with a free month to get started. That's 30 days of unlimited reading, and you'll be supporting our show. So it's a win-win. S-C-R-I-B-D dot com slash iFanboy. Two and a half stars. You got the information out, but you could have been better. I think that's totally clear. I had a cold, though, and I got fumbled on my own tongue. <laughs> that's what she said. All right. <laughs> Story balls. Howard the Duck, number one. Uh, written by another image artist, Chips Darsky. Or as you pronounce it, Z Darsky. Um, And, uh, oh, I have to open it. I wasn't paying attention. Um, (laughs) It's a number one. uh, Basically, we're we're going back to Howard the Duck. Oh, oh, Joe Quinones, of course. Yeah. Uh, On art. And uh, Rico Renzi on color. Uh, It was very Howard the Duck. Right. It was like... To people who don't know about Howard the Duck. I've never really been into Howard the Duck. So there's the movie, but it's not that. It's it's like Roots, uh, 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 Steve Gerber, Howard the Duck. I where feel like he's... this book exists solely because James Gunn put Howard the Duck at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I think so. Which was a lark, by the way. He, I think they had, they had a different plan for the end of the movie. So, yeah, James Gunn's well, why the fuck not moment becomes this book. Well, that's how comics works. That's true. Um, so Howard is a private investigator, uh, and he works in the same building that She Hulk's office is in. Because that's where they let people with superpowers or people who are involved with well, superpowers. Well, the, the regulations and the insurance issues. I mean, only a certain exactly. number of buildings can handle superpowered superhero businesses. Yeah, you try to get are, a permit for that. There are a lot of duck-based puns in this book, <laughs> and you love um, puns. You are a guy who loves puns. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a guy who loves puns. There is a training montage uh-huh. in comic book form. I am understood that a lot of people found this very funny. You did not. I didn't really know. I did try it because I wanted to know. And then at the end, is your, your, I guess this is your spoiler, but like he's in a cell with Rocket Raccoon. Oh. And I believe there's a xenomorph in that page uh, in the background, <laughs> just in case you needed is that. Is he off planet or is he on planet? He's, he looks to be off planet. I believe he's, yes, he's off planet. He's captured and taken somewhere. I, I, you know, I wanted to like it a lot, but it's one of those things that, that humor in comics is super subjective. And I well, think that a lot of people, super subjective, right? I know, but in comics specifically, like it's very referential, and it's very Marvel referential, and it's punny, as I believe I mentioned. Um, I was it weather puns? I couldn't. You said something about it, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like he's. It's funny because the characters, the character really feels like a character from another time. Like I was like, nobody would write this character today, which I do find charming because he's grumpy and he's not really nice, and people don't like him. Um, and he wears an old-timey suit, and he's a duck. I just remember watching that movie on VHS with a bunch of friends at Patrick Gilmore's house uh-huh. and uh, not even liking it as an 8-year-old. Or however yeah, I remember, I remember not liking it as an 8-year-old, but being really, uh, being really excited beforehand. I thought, yeah. well, this, this is going to be a thing for well, me. Because it was George Lucas, Yeah, and it was a duck, and it was, I don't Marvel, think I kn- and it was Marvel Comics. It was I don't think I together. knew any of those things. I knew all those things. At and the I, time. I was and super then, and excited. I, and I remember... Uh, the play duck joke, specifically in thinking, this is not for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because anyone out there wondering, Josh has not changed ever. 
He's always been no, like, he's always it's, been this it way. really and and it's not even that I was like offended by play doc, but I was like, oh, oh, it's gonna be like this, <laughs> huh? And then I did, as a result, like I don't remember anything else about it other than that moment when I thought, oh, I don't think that's good. <laughs> it, you know, whatever. I don't remember anything about the movie. I just remember hating it. Was Were there duck boobs in that? Was that like a thing in the play doc? Uh, could have been. I think so. Probably. That's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. So after the uh, we announced, we always announce the pick on our Twitter and Facebook pages so that people can uh, be prepared for the show if they want to check out the pick beforehand or just know what the pick is. And uh, after announcing that Miss Marvel 13 was the pick, a lot of response from people uh, clamoring for Action Comics 40 being the pick uh, all over our Facebook page and uh, got some Twitter replies. Uh, this book was terrible. <laughs> I was just opening it up and like, yeah, wait, I did read this. What happened? And then the second that you said this book was terrible, I see a big picture of Bizarro on the cover, and I went, yes, yes, it was terrible. Now, I, I, I have to admit, I, I would put Bizarro up there with Ebola and unrelenting physical pain. It's just some of the worst things. I hate, hate Bizarro. I do want to preface this in that, like, it was... Perfectly fine. Well, let me start purpose of this. It was drawn the fuck out of by yes. Cooter. It was a beautifully drawn book. And if you if you if you like Bizarro, I think that you are totally in for this to be your thing. But I am with Connor. I hate Bizarro. I hate Once reading. Once the backward talk starts, I check out. Uh huh. And I started actually reading everything that wasn't Bizarro dialogue. So uh-huh. I, don't, I didn't. I, three or four pages in, I didn't even read the bizarre dialogue anymore. I read Superman's dialogue, and Metallo, and that was it. I, I think the art was great. I love the gag where Superman casually catches the bowling ball flying at his head and stuff like that was great. Also, we should mention he. This is where he loses the beard. Not cool. Yeah, yeah. Some magic pulls it off his face. I understand people. If you like, if you like this, great. I'm not saying it was a badly written book. I just hate Bizarro with a. It's like my eye starts twitching when when Enver Bizarro pops up, and so I, I've only ever liked three Bizarro stories. Two of them involve him being a failed clone of Superman. That's the only way I liked Bizarro. One mm-hmm. was the Man of Steel miniseries, John Byrne. One was in the animated series, and then the only other time I liked Bizarro was in Also Superman. Also Superman. Yeah, that's it. And even yeah. then, I was on the edge constantly. Of yeah, like okay, let's let's annoyed. not go on with this too long. Right. So. I hated this because I hated Bizarro. Uh, no knock against the creative team. No. Great art. Wonderful art. Great pack. Nothing against you. I just hate, hate, hate Bizarro. When we're done with Bizarro, we're going to be back on board full, fully. It, well, we're done now. This is it. One issue. Let's, let's, let's be sure of that before we wade back in fully. Uh, that's true. But I will not be picking up the Bizarro series, which is the, this is the precursor for. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. It was amazingly drawn. Maybe someday, like you'll be reading like forty issues into a Bizarro series, like me and Deadpool, and you'll be like, "I just, I didn't see I this coming." When, when does when did Aaron Cooter get to draw the new costume? By the way, I'm because uh, this is the, still the old terrible crappy costume. I don't, I don't even notice him anymore. I'm so, I'm tired of the costumes and the, the well. What if we do this? Just it was fine before, and I really like. I hate to be that guy who's like, ugh. But really, no one has even come close to improving on or adding to what existed previously. Not even close. Well, I like I like tweaks, but yeah. Well, the jeans like, and t-shirts coming yeah. back. That was the whole. The thing. tweaks are nice. The tweaks are like Darth Vader, where he looked a little different 
in Empire, and they looked a little more different in, in, in Jedi, but basically it was the same thing. So did you read All New X-Men 37? I believe I did. Were you confused because All, All New X-Men 38 came out a month ago? You know what? I didn't read it. Because I opened it up and I thought, I don't know what this is. 37 and I just stopped. was a one-shot issue with uh, Emma Frost training young Jean Grey in Madripoor. Madripoor? Mm. Madripoor. Uh, with what really worth mentioning because the art by Mike I was gonna Del, say, Mundo Mike Del Mundo is awesome. Mike of the world. Mike of the world can draw everything. He's great. And I, thought, yes. I love that it was very unconventional and a little bit of a stylistic break for this book, which is not always been drawn by Stuart Eminem, but always sort of in that style. Yeah, even, yeah. Even the feeling artists have been that, that in that style. This is a very well, it's, different. It's it's one of those alternating things where it's it's uh, Eminem and Asrar, and they're very similar. Yes. So this was great, as, as a, and I like when you can do that in a one shot because it doesn't. It's not so jarring because you're just you're, the story is even a little jarring because you're off. I will tell you that like I I think it's what I downloaded and I opened it up and I, and I was like. I don't want to read this right now. And I, and I think I just forgot because I was like, it's a whole other thing. And I just. It's a really fun one shot of, okay, of I will read Emma it. training Gene and being like, this is how the world really works. It's, it's like a thing with me when I get the comic book, I open it up. And I don't always remember where we left off, but I wanted to. Sometimes I just wanted to be familiar so I can just hop back on that track. And if it's a different kind of thing, I'm just like, I, I, can't, I can't speed myself up to do this right now. Well, what's interesting is that the next issue, which is 38, which came out already. Which really threw me off the last that when that happened. Yeah, I didn't notice that, but that's weird. It's like some crossover with some book uh, that I. That's what I thought was going on. And I just thought I don't want to. That I don't read, so I was like, I'm not even going to read this. But uh, hmm. I think I read halfway through the last one. That's I think, and I looked at this and thought this must be the next thing of that thing I didn't read. Yeah, it's the oh. Black Vortex chapter four. I don't even know where chapters one through three yes! are. Yes, yes, that's true, and that's that's weird. I'm going to skip 38. That's fine. Come back to 39. That's fine. I wanted to give a quick nod to Sheltered, which uh, was a uh, was was an image series. Um, they do end people. Is it apparently. the final issue? Are you sure? Yes. I, yeah, can't, yeah, I feel yeah. like I can never trust you anymore. No, at the end, it says end, and there's a big letter from Ed Brisson about how it's the end. So it's the end. This is the one where the group of uh, of teens are in, they're they're in the end of the world colony because because Yellowstone is gonna is gonna oh. explode. Um, so they all go in there, but then the kids, the the super the super smart uh, head kid, uh, decides to convince the all boy? the other kids. The head boy decides to convince all the other kids to kill their parents, and that touches off a whole thing that was the series. What? Um, and, uh, you know, the it's cops come the in. Parents are a bummer. Because uh, the whole point is to uh, be survivalist through the through the change in the world. And if the parents are there, there's going to be less resources, and they've already had the generation of children, so they are not useful. Get lost, was, old man. Yeah. So basically, you know, he's like, listen, they're not going to like it, but they, they, you know, ultimately they they understand it. What is the um, age so they, cut off for murder in this scenario? I think it's like the parents is the generational. So split. would I make it as a as a? Well, you don't have kids. You wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't be there. It's there's no there's no scenario let's in which you. Let's assume I found a way in. Uh huh. Am I killed for just being older, or because I don't have Pretty, kids? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you're fucked. I can bring a lot to the table, Josh. You're kind of a, no, kind of an old story. In fact, <laughs> at that point, I mean, let's be honest. You got a whole group of teenagers. You're the creepy guy. <laughs> That's true. You're totally the. So you're dead. Uh, um, and this was totally like a wrap-up issue, like after the fact, the FBI, the whole thing. Um, 
And then at the very end, there's like a, a last note, like a, like a stick in the eye as somebody walks away from the TV and you see uh, urgent Yellowstone eruption. <laughs> That's oh. the end. Like, oh, fuck, they were right. Oh, well. <laughs> the world is going to end. So did he say a super did... volcano in the middle of our country, as I know from my son's favorite programs, <laughs> is set to kill us uh, to the voice of Patricia Clarkson. There's so narrative. many things that are going to kill us. But uh, so was this book that ended on its creator's uh, whim or was it big for other reasons? Did it say why in the, in, in the book? Was it the story I feel like over? it ended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like they did their 15 issues and that was the that was the story. And they're going to go on and do other things. It was it was I read the whole way through. I never I never lost interest. Uh, you know, it was a good good little story. It was a fun time. So if you uh, find that interesting, you can go to ifanbot.com/amazon where you can buy The Sheltered Trades. I assume there will be two volumes. Three. Three volumes? Yes. Oh, five each. Okay. Three volumes of Sheltered. If if you like that kind of story, even though Josh has spoiled the ending for you. I found to come slash Amazon where you can make all your Amazon purchases. You just click on that link. takes you to Amazon. We get a piece of year purchase. You don't lose any money. Only Amazon does. That's one less drone. Honestly, not even one. It's like one less drone component at the end of the year for Amazon. <laughs> so that really helps us out. We appreciate everybody who does that. Uh, we see people making giant purchases all the time. We appreciate those who do. I found to come slash Anonymously. Right. Oh, we don't see what you're buying. We do not see what you're buying. We just see a list of what has been bought through the, through the app. And it's always fun around Valentine's Day. Uh, ifanboy.com slash registration is where you can become an iFanboy member for 3 bucks a month or 30 bucks a year. That's how you can help the show directly by contributing to keep the lights on, keep the equipment going, keep the server costs going. Uh, our old buddy Dave Carr tweeted out this week that he was happy that our content was still all available because he went back and listened to some old shows. And those shows are available because we pay for the server bill, which is not inconsiderable considering how many years of content there are. So uh, thanks to everyone who does all these things to keep a fanboy going. Many gigabytes. Many gigabytes. Many gigabytes died to bring us these. Let's do an email. Poor Bothans. Andrew B. says, I'm sure this is asked a lot, but I've been reading books from the 1980s, 90s, and some of the new 52, but I don't know if I can start reading any of the current series without being lost. I don't know if I should just pick a series and then read all the back issues I can find. That's a lot of work. Andrew. We haven't uh, had this question in a while. I thought it would be good to return to uh, where do I start questions. At the beginning, always, right? You go back <laughs> to the 30s and you say, well, what's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to picture this, what he's talking about here, because so he's been reading books old back years of the 80s and 90s and some of the New 52, because the New 52 started over at issue one. And there are actually a lot of people who jumped on there because they did start over at number ones. But the current series... They're not that far into it. You know, we're uh, four years now at this point. Yeah, yeah. Not even. But three So if you really wanted to read all of them, you could, you would, it wouldn't be that difficult. But it would be expensive, but it wouldn't be that difficult. But you don't need to, right? Right, Josh? Or you, have you come around because now you're part of the binge culture? No, no. You don't need to. That's the whole that's, – that's the great myth. You should – you know, what's funny is that now more than ever, way more than when we started this – you don't need to do that. Like they keep starting everything over. Like That's the whole true. point, That's it's exactly it's it's true. like the 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 industry has become you know reboot heavy, which you know a lot of old people get really uh, tired of. But for newer readers, it's actually extremely useful. Like there's you know Marvel only you know you could start a f- couple of years ago if you wanted to. I mean, I just read this is a perfect example. I just read the first issue of Ms. Marvel uh, at number thirteen. And and there's no reason for me to go back and read the rest of it other than if I wanted to. Like I can I can I can get it from there. 
uh, and it's done with that in mind a lot. And and you know what we always said uh, is that it's for, for one of the most fun things for me was to just start reading an issue, and it's not the same now because it used to be. You know, uh, it'd be in the 200s or the 300s, and you just have to start reading it because what else would you do? You know, now you're only at 14 or 15, uh, you know, maybe in the 30s, and that's about as high as anything goes. And you're going to get a whole slate of new Marvel number ones at the end of this year or some point this year, and you're going to get a whole slate of DC number ones when they launch all those new books. So, as Josh said, it's, it's all about, I mean, Thor is what, number six? They just, every time there's yeah. a new story arc or a major new arc, not always a new arc, but a major new change in status quo or creative team. You know, this, we had a new Hawkeye number one, even though the old Hawkeye hasn't finished yet. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I realized that. That's hilarious. Uh, they start over. So you're actually in a great time, Andrew, For if you're the kind of guy who doesn't want to miss anything, to be reading comics because they're constantly happening uh, with, with new volumes. Yeah, I mean, really, it's been, it's been based much more now around, at, at least at Marvel, it's been based much more now around stories. Mm-hmm. Like they're organized into stories. DC also, to a certain extent, well, DC you know, announced with this new batch of books that that's that's the direction they're going as well. So I think that seems to be industry trend at the moment is the uh, stories over continuity and numbering. Yeah, or strict continuity and strict numbering. So that's good. You know, find the character you like and and follow that, or find the, I mean, I find the creator you like and follow that. Like I don't, you don't need to go back. Yeah, at the this, end of the day, like. If you started reading Batman Endgame, like with the, the first part of it, it was issue like 36 or whatever it was, <laughs> and you know who Batman is, you're fine. Well, it, what he said was, can I start reading the current series without being lost? You're not going to be lost. <laughs> like, the worst thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a reference to something that happened earlier, and you're not going to know exactly what that is, but anybody who is reading it is going to be able to pull out from context what they need to know. Unless the writer's completely failed. Right, but also, you know, that information's all there, and it's a physical impossibility to actually go back and read everything. Right. That doesn't, that's not even, I don't even know how you do that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to, so. <laughs> <laughs> go screw. <laughs> go screw. No, nah, I think, I think you'd be fine. Just read, and if you like it, go back, because it was good, not because you feel like you have to. But if you're listening to this podcast, you, you clearly have to start with this number one. Yeah. Go back. You've got 475 hours to get through before you can properly <laughs> enjoy this episode. Yeah. Plus, there's all the special editions and all the video shows. You've got a lot of, to, lot of work to do. There will be quizzes. Anthony from Brooklyn writes and says, this is a question for Josh. I was reading the children's book, The Wicked Big Toddler Goes to New York, to my daughter recently. Basically, a family with a giant toddler visit New York on vacation. Hilarity ensues. Anyway, because the words wicked and toddler were in the title, and this is T-O-D-D-L-A-H spelling, by the way. Toddler. I launched into my finest Boston accent. This worked until the family says, let's visit Yankee Stadium. These people are not from Boston. Turns out they're from Maine. I have no idea what the difference is between a Maine accent and a Boston accent. Is there one? As a dialectician from Maine, I thought you'd be able to help. Yes, there is a definite difference both in temperament <laughs> and inflection. Uh, you know the what? accents... Uh, well, before you get into the, deeply into that, first of all, somebody from Maine's just as big of a Red Sox fan as somebody from Boston. Yes, that's in my true. experience. Also, yes, I just came from spending five days in Boston with some people who hadn't really spent much time there, and mm-hmm. they loved the accents on the crusty old blue collar guys that built the booth and tore it down. Those guys yeah. were a awesome, b hilarious to listen to. Oh yeah, no, the, it's the, the funniest people on earth. I mm-hmm. think that's true. 
It's a different accent. I actually can't do a Boston accent very well, or even Massachusetts, which is, you know, like this slightly, you know, different variations of it. It's, uh, it's super, it's more nasally. It's, uh, I mean, basically, the Boston accent is, is, uh, is Good Will Hunting. Mm-hmm. It, it's Ben Affleck and Matt Damon in that. Or, <laughs> this is a, this is a, I don't know if this is a help anyone, uh, Rob Morrow in Quiz Show. <laughs> oh, God. Or, 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 or uh, like, I'm thinking about the, the sort of most obvious ones in movies. Kevin Costner in 13 Days. Do <laughs> you remember that? Kenny O'Donnell. <laughs> Kenny O'Donnell. That, that came and went as much as his British accent and Robin Hood. Special, special advisor of the president, Kenny O'Donnell. Those are accents. Maine, it's, a, it's different. I don't know how to describe it differently, but I can't do Boston because I always end up doing Maine. But Maine people are very different than Boston people. How so? And it's... Well, Boston people are a lot more aggressive. They're angry, angry white people. <laughs> and I don't know exactly why. We're going to get letters. Uh, Maine uh, people are uh, maybe a little more. I know. Maine people are a little. They're happy about it. Like, Bill Burr is not like, no, that's totally true. Like, he's. No, they, they, revel in, uh, they revel in their aggression. It's a very aggressive city. Yeah. They're just mad. I don't know why. I guess the weather is awful. I guess that's that. But Maine's weather is even worse. Maine are a little more like rural. It's a little slower. I've heard it be. I've heard it say the deep south of the north. I find that offensive on a couple of fronts. <laughs> yeah. No. Here's the here's the thing about Maine though. If you've ever watched a movie with people doing Maine accents, those accents are always awful. They always sound like cartoons to us. Always, like uh, in the bedroom or, or Spitfire Grill, nobody who isn't from Maine can do a Maine accent correctly. It do, it never sounds right. I don't know why. Because you're but there weird. you go. It's a wicked big toddler walking around New York. Look at these fucking buildings. They're huge. <laughs> now is that Maine or Boston? That's Maine. That's Maine. It sounds very similar. It sounds really similar, but there's a difference. Whereas like, like Joey Sullivan out Fitchburg there. Yeah, <laughs> it's a different thing. It's like, more it's, pi- more pinched. I get it. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's ka. Like we don't like in Maine. We would say ka, but in Boston, it's a ka. It's a little bit different. And and no, that doesn't sound like anything different to anybody else. But so I so let me it. let me ask you a question now. Do people in Maine like to add an e i e sound to everybody's name like they do in Boston? Toddy. Yeah. Mikey. Yeah. Uh, I think there's bleed over, but I think that's mostly Boston. Because we were, we had a great moment at the show where uh, some guy came up to our booth asking, you know, he was a salesman, he asking who handled our internet, and I said, well, you got to go over there and talk to Chuck, and he goes, Chucky. <laughs> I was like, don't don't call him Chucky. <laughs> He's covered in tattoos and we'll yeah. find it funny. But uh, covered in tar- covered in tattoos, by the way, is no longer a sign of somebody being tough. Well, he you look at you looked into his eyes. He was running all the IT for that booth. Yeah. He was he was not in a good place for. I mean, it might be, but I'm just saying that used to be a marker for scary tough biker guy, and now it's just dude in his twenties with full sleeves. Yes. All right. I know you've been I know you've been out of Brooklyn a long time, but uh, <laughs> I mean it means they can sit through that. I can't, but uh, you know at this point they call you Joshy. Joshy, my family does. Yeah. Oh, you know what they do, Joshy. <laughs> Oh, so much fun. All right, let's, do, let's squeeze one more in. Inda from Waterford, Ireland. All kinds of great accents in this, this slate of emails this time. Slanch! I was wondering if you have any strong opinions on what makes for a successful adaptation of a comic book character or storyline to the big screen. A recent podcast which one of you commented on how comic book artists and writers are adapting their books to be more movie-like got me thinking about this once again. I don't, I don't remember saying that. 
Uh, it sounds like something I would say. For me, a comic book sucks you into its own little world. I almost put the period after sucks, then I realized the sentence wasn't over. For me, a comic book sucks you into this own little, in its own little world. It's sparse dialogue and limited number of images means you basically have to imagine a lot of the story's action yourself. So much like a silent film, the characters' voices are all inside your head. Paradoxically, it feels both smaller and bigger than a movie when your imagination retains ownership of the action, and that is what makes reading them so special. For me, the only film that I've seen that manages to capture some of these elements is Batman Begins. Even though it may not be the best film of the trilogy, it has a smaller, more silent atmosphere about it, and it, therefore, feels like a Batman flick. Anyway, what do you guys think about this? And I wanted to bring this up because uh, this was the week that Powers came out on <laughs> PS4, and we got an avalanche of people asking when the Powers Special Edition podcast would be, and the answer is never. Yeah. Just because we don't have a PS4, the first episode's free, but I don't want to watch it. If I, if I like it, I want to be able to watch the rest of it, and it just looks terrible. Yeah, I don't have good. I don't have a good feeling about that. I used to love that book, and I actually fell off the book. I don't know if I can watch an adaptation of one of my all-time favorite series, and it really was. If you go back, that book yeah. was pick of the week every other. First time. pick of the week ever. Uh, I don't know if I can watch the first a really podcast terrible of adaptation week. of that. So, yeah. Um, anyway, all right. First of all, Waterford is where they got the they got the factory. I didn't go there though, so sorry about that. There's a flaw that I caught in this question. Mm-hmm. Where we're talking about, I don't think you're wrong about Batman Begins and how that you're describing it. I think that there, I think those are very good points about that. But it's funny because if you were described to me what makes a comic book movie, it's it's the, it's not small and intimate. It's the opposite. It's Jack Kirby's gigantic imagination. It's it's Asgard. It's <laughs> the endless worlds. It's, it's it, yeah, it's the opposite. So what you're describing might be your version of the best Batman movie because it's the most like Batman Year One. Right. Or, you know, that version of it. But to me, you know, like I think when we look at it's the for me, it feels like the opposite. It's Avengers. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And again, comic book. I'm really talking about superhero. Right. Because comic book is a medium, not a genre. So we're talking about superhero movies like to me, they the gigantic, you know, world building in this this huge sense of, oh, my God, you can do anything. They get the grant the, the Morrisonian sense of what superheroes should be. Right. Which, by the way, DC has completely not managed to do in any way, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. They have in the they have in the TV shows much more than the movies. So, what have way. you? So, what to you m- makes a successful adaptation? For me, it doesn't have anything yeah. to do with the source material so much as whether or not it's a su- successful movie or f- TV show. I mean, to me, it's the thing that whatever it is that made you like that character, mm-hmm. have they successfully transported that to the other medium? Right. So. When you are looking at, uh, let's say, the, let's say the Dark Knight, mm-hmm. and you look at their version of the Joker, which is very different than the most comic book versions of the Joker up to that point, but did they get the dynamic between that character of the Joker and that character of the Batman into something that is as compelling as what you read in the comic book? And the answer is yes, absolutely. You know, beyond reproach. Whereas if you look at something like any of the the Punisher movies, they didn't get it. Right. For me, the essence of the character, but also at the end of the day, it has to be a good movie or TV show. Yes, it, yeah, yeah. Like the the craft has to be there. It doesn't matter how faithful it is necessarily if it's bad. It could be the most faithful. I mean, I Watchmen. liked Watchmen, but everyone. This is the example. The show is that it was super faithful, not super compelling as a movie. But as I said, when we watched Watchmen, I was watching it not as like I was enjoying a movie. Right. But, like, as an art house experiment, almost. And, like, I, I can't tell you, I feel like I've gone back and watched it again. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, every once in a while, I'll watch the beginning. But, again, it's like, wow, look what they did to adapt that part of the comic that book that was, was already awesome. there. 
It was. But as a whole thing, as a movie, I don't feel like watching that. Right. So that's an adaptation. That's, that's you know, making it exactly the same. I don't know. I mean, I, honestly, there's a little bit of secret sauce there. Like it's, well, there's it's, always an intangible, everything with storytelling, mm-hmm. right? But it's just like, is this a good story that's being told with compelling characters, which is to me the most important thing. So take, take the first Captain America movie. Right. They really captured something of, of the Captain America the spirit, story. Yeah. Yeah, and the spirit and everything was fine. But the third act was kind of crap. So like, I liked things about that movie, but was it a great movie? No. But there were the things I liked about it. Like, it was like... Actually, that feels a lot like comic books. <laughs> like, I liked a lot about this, but they kind of failed in the end. Endings are hard. Yeah, endings are hard. Especially when you're not allowed to have an ending because you have to go to the next movie and crash a ship for no fucking reason. No, so, no, I'm going to crash so it. Like, <laughs> oh, boy. Like, Arrow on the TV show is not almost nothing like the comic, but it's a really compelling version of the character. Now, is it the exact character version of the comics? No. But it is a recognizable version of... Oliver Queen, even though he's more like Bruce Wayne, and done in I what I consider to be a high quality way. So therefore, for me, it's, it's a successful adaptation of Green Arrow. Mm. Same thing with Smallville. Smallville was nothing like the Superman comics in the specific sense. It captured the spirit of Superman very well, and what I consider to be a, com- a compelling and high quality way. So I thought so. Smallville was a very successful Superman adaptation, but uh, it all depends on how it's just what the execution of it and whether or not the and you can always get. I'm trying to think of a character that's completely different than their comic book version. Hawkeye. Yeah, that's not a good one. I'm trying to Sorry. think of one that was successful. Oh, okay. Uh, there must be one. But Hawkeye's a good example of one where they sort of did yeah. not do a good job of translating. Although, I guess, didn't they do a good job of translating the ultimate version of Hawkeye? I guess so, yeah. That's what they were going for. Yeah, they were, and they, they did that. Which is also the Lego Marvel version of Hawkeye, it turns out. Yeah. It is is not an exact science. I, I feel like we spun our wheels a lot trying to put our finger on it, but I mean the thing is like there's no thing that makes a comic book good, mm-hmm. so there's no thing that makes a movie good. It just all the magic has to work together. Yeah. And when we say that, and we say that 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 comics are getting more movie like, I think it means that they're self-contained. They have an ending. They have a group of yes. sort of characters. They have, they have it's have not a, three, a beginning, middle, end of an end. And yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not endless like like comics were in the 80s where they just like, oh, now hold on a forever. second there's one thing that makes a movie good daniel craig tim meadows <laughs> yeah thank you andrew anthony and enda for writing in they wrote to contact.fanboy.com uh or you can call our voicemail line 888-FANBOY-3262697 to get on the show get your questions be a part of the action we always like this segment and uh we always are happy when good stuff comes in to talk about definitely and uh, so quickly, uh, yes, Josh, I heard you mention this on the show last week. We finally got our secret WonderCon plans confirmed. In fact, we have uh, specific information, which we cannot give out until next week. So, um, <laughs> sorry. We have a day. We have a time. We've got a place. We've got the, this thing. We just can't tell you what it is until next week. In fact, by the time next week's show comes around, it'll already have come out. We will, we will uh, post it on the website. Uh, when the when the, when the, when we're allowed to first mention it, we're also if you don't go to the website, we will uh, we'll talk about it next week on the show. But it's gonna be really fun, really exciting, really really kind of scary. So All right, uh, if you like, it's just though, if you like what we do and us, and you were on the fence about going to Anaheim, maybe think about going. And I think I'm just gonna say I think Sunday tickets are still available. Oh, you think Sunday Sunday tickets are still available? Uh, apropos of nothing. 
I just, just, I just had a random thought, and I thought I would say it out loud in the middle of this discussion. Right. But I think Sunday tickets are still available. If you like, let's say, the kinds of comics and creators that the folks who started iFanboy like, and you're around Sunday, right. I believe tickets are available. Tickets are available. The folks who started iFanboy. No, I don't know that tickets are available. <laughs> you don't know? <laughs> I just said I think. <laughs> It'd be good if they were. It would be good. One of us would have to travel really far for that, to be, to be at that thing. But uh, if you're going to be at WonderCon, keep your eye on Sunday. And keep your eye out next week for the details. I know everyone's getting annoyed that we've been teasing this for three weeks, but it was literally because we didn't have... It wasn't confirmed, then it got confirmed, and then something else got confirmed, and now it's like we had to wait. But we wanted to give you guys a heads up in case you were thinking about going to WonderCon. There so, you go. Uh, next week, we'll have the info. In the meantime, you can head over to iFanboy.com. You can comment on this show or the books we talked about. If we didn't talk about a book you want to talk about, talk about it there, and we can all have a little discussion about it. Or the books we did talk about. If you liked action comics, which I know many of you did, uh, you, I'm sure you'll all come over and say why I'm an idiot, which is fine. I can take it. It's fine. You're good. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us at uh, facebook.com slash ifanboy. And at ifanboy on Twitter, that's where you can find out what the pig is before it goes up, or the serial goes up. And you can follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick. Both, in both those no, I was I was totally waiting for a third name. I was like I was waiting for that third beat, and I was like, "It's not coming. It's your it's turn." If again. you like the shit, it's never coming. <laughs> Space the story balls are never coming again. <laughs> if my butt. Hey, if you like the show, you can write a review in iTunes, uh, or you can uh, just help get the word out through your various social networks and stuff, or tell your friends about it, or or if you you talk, you go to the you go to the comic shop. You, hey, did you hear that? Hear that? I fanboy show. You, you, you like that show? Can you, like you believe place? those guys hated action comics? Can you me me am me am so happy about that? <laughs> if you ever want my, to get my hands out. just clinched just yeah. hearing you say that. Like if I had been in person, you'd have just punched me in the face. I would have punched and him in the face. I wouldn't have blamed him for it. No. But uh, yeah, yeah, we can still uh, we can still use more listeners. I, I think I think we've shown that we're not at the fuck it threshold. Yeah. So if you want to send some more people our way, that's awesome. Um, or if you like it, that would be great. So thank you. That's it. That's all the show we've got for you this week. What do we do now? I don't know. I uh, While you were talking, I scratched my head and came away with some blood, so that's always fun. Right. Oops. So that's, that's a good time. Go, go take care of that. Until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Josh, and at least you don't have to worry about your hair going gray, Connor. <laughs> <sighs> oh, I did the old guy thing. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> no one wants that! Yeah! Hey, 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 h